Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. We Thanks for in, tuning in. Uh, week two of a three-part series. And if you were here last week, you would have heard an amazing message by Mitch um, called Now Concerning the Spiritual. Was anybody here last week and heard that? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, if you weren't here, check it out. Listen to the podcast. Um, he was particularly unpacking 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, which says, Now Concerning the Spiritual... Do not be unaware. It is so important that we know about the spiritual. You know, if we're uninformed or unaware, we can try to superimpose our own thoughts or our own experiences, our own culture over top of what God actually wants to do. And we can come up with um, some misbeliefs. So we need to understand the spiritual. Now, this has been a pretty special service this morning. Um, Just really sense that God is actually doing something um, that we probably can't even quite put our finger on. I mean, he's doing that constantly, but something's um, been happening this morning as well. Um, So it's just going to be interesting to see what God does over this coming few weeks and few months. I think we're in for a really exciting time. Now, um, almost 10 years ago, um, well, 10 years ago, there was a beautiful lady in our church, and she walked very closely with God. Um, She had an incredible relationship um, with her Father God. She had an unwavering belief in the promises of God and in the power of God, and she fought a battle against cancer. Uh, She fought really bravely, and she fought very well. She did everything that she knew to do, everything that she felt God was asking her to do, Um, to fight this, but we didn't actually see the victory we were wanting to see um, on earth. And I remember this this particular Sunday is probably more firmly etched in my mind than any other Sunday, and it was the one immediately um, after she had died. So Christiath um, and Ruth were the pastors at the time, and I have no idea what Chris actually spoke on, but I remember the important part. Um, This was really profound, and he said this. He said, this is a stake in the ground moment. He said, we're not going to go back from here. What she fought for, we're not going to let go of. And he invited each one of us to partner with the pursuit of miracles and of healing for our church and for this region. You know, we didn't see the outcome we were looking for in that particular situation, but we could choose to allow this to spur us on to continue to lean into God, to pursue him for more of his power, for miracles and for healings. I've called my message today, Now Concerning Healing. Now, this could be an uncomfortable topic and an unsettling topic because we each bring our own life experiences um, with us. You know, for a lot of us, I'm sure each one of us knows somebody that wasn't healed or maybe in our own lives, we've had times where we've prayed and believed and we haven't seen what we've been looking for. But we cannot stay ignorant of this topic. We've got to understand this. Now, this is not a how-to message, and also there's so much in this. We could talk for weeks and weeks and weeks on this topic. Today, this is very much a we believe message, and which has been coming through actually in our worship songs and in what um, Glenn shared um, earlier. And right from the get-go, I want to say that this church, we are a church that believes that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're a church that believes in healing. We believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. And we're a church that believes that we, each one of us, are called to do the same things that Jesus did. And some of you will have heard of um, a pastor called John Wimber. Now, he started going to church as a new Christian. He came straight out of the nightclub scene in Las Vegas. He had no church background. 
Um, John was reading his New Testament from cover to cover, and he was listening to some really great messages by the pastor about Jesus. But after a few weeks, he got restless, and he asked a leader in the church, when are we going to do the stuff? Um, and the leader said, what stuff? You know, the stuff in the Bible, the stuff Jesus did, like healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the blind, stuff like that. That it had to be explained to John that they actually didn't do the stuff anymore. That, you know, what they did was just what they saw on um, a Sunday morning service. So Wimber was a baby Christian then, and he just blurted out, you mean I gave up drugs for this? See, he was reading and hearing the word of God without historical layers of reasons why a follower of Jesus might not be able to do what Jesus did. You see, a simple reading of the New Testament without historical blinders creates an expectation that we might get to do the stuff. Um, Some of you will know that he went on to become the founder of Vineyard Churches. He went on to teach and demonstrate that signs and wonders were for today and that God wanted to bring healing and transformation and expressions of his love and power through his church. It's time for us to do the stuff. Now, the word of God, Glenn was talking about it earlier, and actually he was holding up his great-grandfather's Bible, or great-great. Oh, Mitch's Bible. Okay. So, at home, I thought Glenn had especially bought, he just, his mum just gave him, I think it was his great-great-grandfather's Bible, just when we went up to visit, and I thought you'd especially bought that one. He'll bring it next time. Anyway, the Word of God is amazing, and it is our plumb line, it is our true north. It is what we need to be going back to constantly. And everything we're talking about today, everything in our Christian life should be lining up with the Word of God. So let's just check it out for a moment. We're going to start in the Old Testament. We're not going to go from cover to cover, don't worry. Um, But healing is talked about all through the Old Testament as well. The first healing that was recorded was actually when Abraham prayed for Abimelech. And it says this in Genesis 20. Then Abraham prayed to God, And God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. Now, it's interesting to note, just a side note, Abimelech and his wife needed healing because of the consequence of a lie that Abraham had told. Um, Into Exodus 15, God's talking to the Israelite people when they've um, been looking for water. And he says this, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, the original Hebrew is actually Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals or God who heals. He's not just saying that that is what he does or that's what he's going to do. He's saying, actually, this is my name, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals is my name. This is actually who I am. Psalm 30 verse 2, this is King David talking. He says, O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Now, all of these verses are talking about healing under the old covenant. How much more should we be expecting, would we be expecting under the new covenant after Jesus came? So let's just take a moment and read some scripture. We're going to do a lot of scripture reading today. Okay, so Matthew chapter 4. And he went throughout all Galilee, this is talking about Jesus, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Luke 4. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. 
he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke 6, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. All throughout the Gospels, there is just account after account of the healings of the miracles that Jesus did. I think it's about over two-thirds of what's written about his ministry actually involved healing. So many beautiful, powerful stories. And then John says, as the very last statement of his gospel, I love this, there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were recorded one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. Jesus healed, and he did a lot of it. Now, first point today is that Jesus is perfect theology. If you want to understand the theology of healing, look at the life of Jesus. We don't need to go any further than that. You know, so much of what has been wrong teaching about healing and a number of theologies that have just emerged around it have come as a result of someone else's own experience of what they've seen or of what they haven't seen. It might come out of their disappointments or their inability to explain things when a miracle doesn't happen. But any theology that does not line up with the Word of God and the life of Jesus has to be questioned. Now, Bill Johnson has written an amazing book along with Randy Clark called um, The Essential Guide to Healing. And he writes this regarding people coming to visit Bethel. Many leave well and whole, but many others leave in the same condition in which they came. I refuse to blame God for this as though he had a purpose in their disease. And I refuse to lower the standard of scripture to my own experience so I can feel good about myself. I'm not looking to feel good about myself. I'm looking to be like Jesus. So study the Gospels. Read what Jesus did, what he said. For me, probably the last, um, for 12 months out of the last 18, I've just been studying the books, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also the book of Acts, because I just want to know Jesus more. I want to study his life, what he did, what he said. And I cannot read those books without becoming more fully aware, like John Wimber said, that we are supposed to be doing the stuff. The second point today I want to say is that miracles are for today. Jesus made clear to us the will of God concerning healing when he prayed the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, he said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That's a huge statement, on earth as in heaven. And it's a really big call up. It's a really big challenge to us as well. You know, Jesus' heart for each one of us is that we would pray that God's will on earth is in heaven and that we would live it out. His will is simple. Hard to do, but it's simple. Jesus said these words recorded at the end of the book of Mark. This is Mark 16 now. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So these words were spoken to the disciples, but who do you think the, those who believe are? Us, yes, it is. It's each one of us. It's you. It's me. It's all of us. This is not just for an elite few people. It says all of those who believe. So why are we not seeing healings like we want to see? Um, there's a number of historical, societal, and cultural reasons um, for this, and I'm just going to give you a few because I think this is really important. This helped me um, in reading this just to understand. Because for the disciples in the early church, 
miracles, healings were normal. That was just what they consistently saw. That was normal Christianity, a normal part of day-to-day life. But in the centuries that followed, that began to change. Now, without giving you a massive history lesson, because we would be here for ages, I'm just going to pick a few, and I'm just touching on them. First of all, the Roman Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity, um, and he established something called the Edict of Milan, and that was in the year 313. Now, this was good because it made Christianity a legal religion in the Roman Empire. Before that, Christians had just been horrendously um, persecuted and killed. So it was good because no longer were they persecuted. However, the persecution had kept Christianity pure. In other words, up until then, there were few hypocrites or nominal Christians because you had to really, really want to be a Christian back then. But then the church began to include nominal Christians because it became easy to be a Christian. Another person, Augustine, he was one of the strongest influences on Christian theology. But his writings eventually moved the church to adopt a blueprint worldview, which means an understanding that everything in life happens due to the predetermined will of God. And this caused a shift in the way that the church thought about healing. Because before that, they had, everyone had just believed that sickness was brought on by the devil, who you should resist. And people believed that, um, f- so it was moved from that, where it was the devil's fault, to people believing that God brought on sickness for a person's spiritual sanctification. See, that's a massive switch. Also, when the Roman Empire fell and the Dark Ages began, life was terrible. There were terrible living conditions. And so people, instead of just thinking about God's will coming on earth as in heaven, they just started to look to the next life, to look towards heaven because they didn't have hope. There was also moral corruption within the church that time, and it wasn't corrected. So you ended up with a whole lot of lukewarm people. Um, As a consequence, there's a lack of purity, and with that, there's a corresponding lack of power. Another issue in the church arose um, as there was a progression towards relegating healings and miracles towards the Catholic saints. Um, And common people who moved in in healing gifts were thought to be involved in witchcraft. It was thought that you had to be, um, you know, you had to have exceptional wholeness or be part of a religious order before you could actually move in those gifts. The last one I want to mention just very briefly is scientific rationalism which relied on reason being the basis for religious truth, but that also resulted in a denial of miracles and of healings, and many people lost faith in healing. And these are just a few factors. This didn't mean that healing wasn't happening or that um, healing ministries didn't rise, but for churches as a whole, the conviction that God still wanted to heal was lost, or at best, it was really watered down. Now, for most of us in this room, we have no trouble believing in an incredibly big miracle. And we, I'd say every person in this room probably believes. You probably have enough faith to believe that if somebody um, you know, confesses that Jesus is Lord, if they believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead, that they're going to be saved. Most people believe that. And that is an incredibly big miracle. It's a miracle of salvation for the forgiveness of sin and being brought into right relationship with God. We've believed this for centuries. But back before Martin Luther, that wasn't the case. People did not believe that. They did not have the faith for salvation like that. It had been lost. So why do we find it easy to believe in salvation for our souls, but not for healing? I just want to quote Bill Johnson again. He says this. He says, we've seen the verifiable results of faithful salvation for generations. 
But when it has come to healing, one generation will pursue it, while the next seems to drop the ball. No momentum is gained when each generation that pursues this part of the gospel has to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Really interesting. Now, Josiah has one of the best teachers on the planet. You might want to argue, yeah, you would agree with me. Other people might want to argue, but she truly is the best. She has a huge heart and a passion for teaching and um, just such a love for God. He comes home with incredible knowledge and really big words as well. And one day he came home with a word. I couldn't quite remember what the word was, but he had the most perfect South African accent. Josiah had imitated his teacher's accent. You know, we start to imitate those that we spend time with. And as we spend time with Jesus, reading his word, just being with him, we should begin to imitate him. And I know so many are doing incredibly well in representing him and imitating him in, in your life and just showing his love and truth and kingdom values to those around you. As followers of Jesus, we're called to imitate him, but we're also called to emulate him, which means to mirror him in everything he did and to obey him in everything he commissioned us to do. My third point today is that disciples emulate their teacher. So what did Jesus do? Back to Matthew. We're just going to look at a couple more scriptures. Matthew 4. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And what he did, he commissioned his disciples to do. The disciples go on their first missionary trip. And this is Jesus' expectation on them. Matthew 10. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Just a, a little ask. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, what did we just read that he commanded them to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. So, what are we commissioned to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. We're commissioned to do the stuff. Now, we have a wee way to go to get there. I know I've still got a bit of a way to get there myself, definitely. A couple of years ago, I just thought, right, I've got to start somewhere. So, I decided that I'd pray for any person in church, um, just in conversation, who mentioned that they had something wrong with them. Um, and I've probably done this hopefully about 90% of the time in conversations. So not just praying for people up front, but making this a normal part of conversation of what we just do. You know, we're Christians. We pray for each other for healing. For me, my next step is to get bolder in praying for people outside of the church. And I'm just saying that because I just want you to know that we're all on a journey. I'm on a big journey with this. Um, I love what Bill says. He says, I learned a long time ago that more people are healed when I pray for more people. So let's just start praying for more people. Um, during this last week, I heard of two of our amazing Thrive people who have just been praying for people in the community, maybe just on the street um, or in hospital. That's awesome. We have to start somewhere. If we believe the truth of the Word of God, if we believe that that is true, then we have to start acting on it. Let's do the stuff. Now, we believe that this region, that our region, that Rangiora and the surrounding region would be a place of healing and well-being. And we know that that word order means life and well-being, wholeness. On the 6th of May last year, I felt God say again, Thrive will be a healing and a health hub with God as the centre. 
at conference, Matt and Renee were just confirming all of this, and they said about this region, in the kingdom, God hides in the small places. God gives birth to things in the small and obvious places. Just this week, one of our incredible men in our church told Glenn that he felt that Thrive would be known for praying for the sick. God is speaking. He's stirring us up, and he's confirming his word. Time and time again, he's confirming his word. For the last few years, I know God's been stirring me towards that. Glenn said this is something I'm passionate about, and I'm passionate about it for a number of reasons. One of them, I think, is just what Chris and Ruth, our previous senior pastors, carried around the supernatural. One of them is what happened, when I talked about in that Sunday, where we put the stake in the ground, not literally, but spiritually, and said we're not moving from here. Another reason I've been wanting to continue to pursue this is because of the health of my own children. We've had a big journey with some of our kids, and one in particular suffered really badly from eczema. Um, I cried a lot of tears over that child, and we watched as all sorts of medications were given with all sorts of nasty side effects. Um, We kept praying. I remember for a time just feeling like I just wanted to stop praying, and probably there was a few nights there where I just was like, I'm not praying. But others kept praying when I couldn't, and we've kept praying, and we have seen a lot of breakthrough. I've been tempted at times to say, well, I haven't seen the healings that I want to see, like in the Bible. Um, don't have that much of a track record in praying for sick and seeing them healed. But I cannot deny the word of God and the conviction that he's placed within me that this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what we're supposed to be seeing. And sickness and disease are just not okay. I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with friends dying. I'm not okay with, you know, my grandma dying from cancer when she didn't need to suffer like that. I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with any one of you suffering from sickness. So I'm going to keep pursuing this. And this is not just me. This is an invitation to all of us. We believe in the fullness of the kingdom of God being expressed in this region. We know that for Thrive Church, this means that we are to pursue healings and miracles. We know this is a part of the call on our church. And we believe that Jesus needs to get his full reward. His people walking in total freedom, seeing everything that Jesus paid for, like we said, on earth as in heaven. Jesus has already paid the price. And I have a strong sense too that we're not going to see the harvest of souls that we want to see. You know, this this nation being turned around, we're not going to see that, I don't believe, without a visible display of God's power. You know, these gifts... Healing, miracles, they are a part of the gospel and they should accompany the word of God. Time and again through scripture, God confirms his message, the gospel, with signs and wonders. Another little bit of history. In um, a book called Christianizing the Roman Empire, Professor Ramsey McMullen reveals, it was the power to deliver and heal in Jesus' name that caused the adherents of other religions of the Roman Empire to forsake their former religions and come to Christ. This was their main reason for conversion. The power to deliver and heal in Jesus' name. Just take a moment to digest that. That is what was the main reason for the conversion of the Roman Empire to Christianity. People need to see the gospel at work. They need to see the stuff. So what do we do with all of this? Well, we could preach for weeks and weeks on this, and we might do some more next year on healing. But today I just want to give you just five quick things that we need to do. The first one, Glenn's already talked about, we need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. 
Become familiar with what God says about healing. Become familiar with the stories of Jesus. Soak in it. Let it like fill you. Become so convinced of the words and the actions of Jesus. That is the first thing. We also, this is really important for each one of us, we need to acknowledge any disappointments or hurts that we might be carrying about healing or lack of it. We need to do the journey with God. We can't just ignore these things. We can't ignore the hurts and the disappointments because I think we'll stay stuck there. Another thing that God's just been talking to me about this week is repenting of unbelief. Asking God's forgiveness for the way that we have neglected these gifts and for the way we haven't taken him at his word and believed in what he said. Also just repenting for any lies we've believed or any wrong theologies that we've believed. The fourth thing we should do is to steward and pursue the call of God on our lives and on this church around healings and miracles. As I said, I believe that as a church this is important. It's not enough for just one or two of us to go after this. This is something for our church to carry together. We need to steward the will and the heart of God concerning healing and miracles. And the most important thing I think we need to do is to seek the face of Jesus before anything else. Him being everything. His presence before anything else. His face. He is the most important. Him being our first love and our everything. So concerning healing, we can't be ignorant. Let's not be ignorant. And I really believe it's time for us to do the stuff. Now, can we just all stand together now? Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media. 